Hello, good morning. I hope you can hear me. I'm Debbie Quain. Welcome. You're listening to Confetti, the wedding planning business talk show. Today is Saturday, March the 14th, 2015, and I'm recording today's show from the Washington, D.C. metro area. I'm fiddling around with the mixer here because I don't want the background music to overwhelm what I'm saying. So if you're in the live chat room, which is over at confettilive.com, please let me know you can hear me. And several of you are there already. Um, Let's see. Let's do a quick roll call here. Should we do that? One moment here. Uh, scroll here. That thank, thank you, Courtney. Courtney can hear me. Good thing. Okay. All right, hold on a moment. I, you know, I do it this way because I don't want to do any post-editing, so that's why you always hear me fiddling around. But one second here. I just want to scroll up here and can see, to see who's in the who's in the building, as it were, or in the chat room. For those of you on the phone line, welcome. I didn't promote the number, but I know several of you have that number locked in. I so appreciate you being here. I really, really do. Um, So if you're passionate about planning weddings, this is the place for you. Confetti is all about your questions about being a professional wedding planner and how I might be able to help you. Um, So I try to do the show the first Saturday of each month. It doesn't always work out that way because clearly today is not the first Saturday of each month. So I, I just bumped it to this one. So let's see. And and thank you for being here and for bearing with me. So Scarlett was the first person I saw in the chat room. And Scarlett is joining us from Naples, Florida. Good morning, Scarlett. Marshall with 24 Carat Events is in Jacksonville, Florida, right? Courtney is with Alpha Prosperity Events saying howdy from Texas. We have Andrea in Austin, Texas. And Helga is in the Bay Area. Helga's three hours behind me. Whoa. Good morning. Super good morning to you for getting up so early. We have Glennis. Glennis is listening in from South America, from Guyana. So if I'm not mistaken, I think Glennis is our further, our listener who's the furthest away as of right now. Special welcome. I don't recognize your name, so I'm giving you a special warm welcome if this is your first time. I'm making that assumption. And I, I just saw someone's name from D.C., which is where I am. Um, I just missed it. Oh, Michelle. Michelle from Washington, D.C. And this is also Michelle's first live chat. Welcome. Special welcome. And um, Diana Palmer is listening in from South Florida. And Diana Palmer's Palmer's company is Engage Me Events. And um, Helga's Helga's business name. It's so you got to see it. It's just phenomenal. Just gorgeous events. J-U-S space. G-O-R-J-U-S events. Isn't that, isn't that clever? It is, right? I think so. So today's all about you. Um, I'm hearing my own voice. I got, means I got my mix minus off. It's throwing me off. Okay, maybe that's better. Yep, can't hear myself anymore. How annoying I sound. So today's all about you. Um, usually I go through questions that were submitted. I think with my back and forth with timing that some of you are like, I'm not sending her any questions. I don't know when she's going to broadcast, but I do have some things here that I want to 
ask you, um, first and foremost, just wanted to let you know that um, earlier this week, I got a commun... I can still hear my voice. Why? Oh, annoying. I'm, I spoke with a reporter from the New York Times. Her name is Laura Wexler, and she's doing a piece on encore weddings. An encore wedding would be a wedding where usually both parties getting married or getting married for the second or third or sometimes fourth time. It really is a great niche, and Laura reached out. She found some information on Weddings for a Living about that where I'd mentioned that encore weddings would make a great niche. I have personally planned several weddings where it's not the first wedding for either person, and Laura is looking for any other planners out there who may have planned encore weddings. Either If, you, if encore weddings are a specialty or a niche for you, Wonderful. She especially wants to hear from you. But even if it's, that's not your niche and you've planned a wedding or two or three where it's the second or more wedding for each person or either person, um, she'd like to hear from you. So if you could, just because it's a personal email address, I, I hate to just broadcast it, just reach out to me, please. Either use the contact form on weddingsforliving.com or shoot an email to Debbie at weddingsforliving.com. That's D-E-B-B-I-E. And then I will reply and give you Laura's information, okay? So Encore Weddings, if you've planned planned any or if that's your niche, she'd love to hear from you, okay? Um, someone's not hearing me? No sound for, for Helga? You should be hearing me. Am, am I not coming through? Let me just double check because I'm not getting any indication that you should, that I'm, I'm my levels look like I'm coming through. Oh, okay. Oh, you're saying you sound fine on our end. Oh, thank you, Helga. Oh, my gosh. Reading is fundamental. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, please, if you have any questions, type them in the chat room. There are a few questions I want to throw out there to get an idea of where you are, where your mind is. And the first question is, I'd like to know, why do you want to or why are you planning, why do you want to plan weddings for a living? Why? What's the driving force behind that? So if you can answer in the chat, that would be wonderful. Why do you want to plan weddings for a living? Or why are you planning weddings for a living? Another thing I'd like to mention is I've been trying desperately, for those of you that know, I struggle with social media, but I've been go going out of my way to really make an effort, and it's really opened up my eyes to a lot of different things. So I've been, if you're not already, um, you can follow Weddings for Living on Google+. Plus. If you go to the weddingsforliving.website, weddingsforliving.com website, you'll see there's a link on the right-hand side to uh, join Google+, Plus, just to see the posts on Google+. Plus. I try to post daily. Also, I've been posting daily on Twitter. So my Twitter handle for me is Debbie Quain, D-E-B-B-I-E-Q-U-A-I-N, but the one the, the the Twitter handle that's been around but I've never really did a whole, you know promoted is weddings for a living which is wed for a living w e d for a living and I'm posting uh, I'm tweeting on using that handle fairly frequently the follow account is pretty low as it should be because it's been there for years but I haven't promoted it so I don't even think I have 30 followers but there is information that I think you might find interesting because when I in 
I'm, I'm saying it like this is brand new. It's new for me. Just by going out there and, and seeing what, what's happening in our wedding industry, we can get a lot of ideas. You can make a lot of connections too. But if you're stuck and not sure which direction you can you need to go in, if you're new to this, it's a great way to sort of get ideas. You don't want to plagiarize, but there are ideas out there of things you can do. For example, one of the stories that I mentioned, I think it was this week, this week or maybe last week, was about a mobile efficient. So... You know, you can get ordained online. It's a matter of minutes. And you can officiate weddings in a lot of different places in the United States, at least. So there's this couple that had, they're truly mobile. They've built this little chapel on wheels. And you can get married inside the chapel. I don't think it can hold more than, it looks like no more than five or six people. Maybe up to ten, maybe. But because it's such a novelty, the way that they're doing it, they're not doing anything differently other than what you and I can do. Because I'm also ordained and have been for several years, but it's such a clever twist. The media's grabbed hold of that story, and for folks who don't want to, who maybe just want a low-key, maybe slightly quirky wedding, don't want to go to the Justice of the Peace or the courthouse, this is a happy medium, and it sort of gets a lot of eyeballs that way. So stories like that are things that, that I think are really interesting because I think there's so many ways to do this wedding planning thing, and planning weddings from beginning to end, from start to finish, I'm going to say it, I don't think it's all that profitable. I really don't. When you start beginning to equate your hours that you put into a full-service wedding to the amount of money that you can usually command, it's not a, it's not a good fit. Am I wrong for saying that? <laughs> I should have kept that to myself. It's not a good fit. I don't think full-service planning, wedding planning, is a truly profitable way to make money. But I know a lot of us are not in it for the money, but I'm putting it out there. Helga, it looks like she's replying. Thank you to my question as to why do you want or why are you planning weddings for a living? Helga says, I started out 30-something years ago helping my best friend plan her wedding. And from there, it just went from one event to another, including as an executive assistant. I always loved helping people. So I would always just jump in and volunteer my time to help people. And in 2011, some friends convinced me to turn my passion for helping people plan events into a business. Wonderful. Thank you, Helga. Guest 62. Is that Andrea? Is that, oh, Michelle. Sorry. Michelle has I enjoy being creative and I find pleasure in assisting others with exec- executing whoa, their vision. Planning comes very natural and easy. For the most part, it never feels like I'm working. Okay. Thank you, Michelle. Courtney says, I want to plan weddings for a living as a second career. I will be retiring soon and hope to continue doing something that I enjoy after retirement. It is flexible, and I can pick and choose to work as much or as little as I want. Weddings are a positive source of energy for me, and I enjoy working with couples. Yes, Courtney, I'm on board with that. Guest 843, is that Andrea? (laughs) I keep saying that, sorry. I love to help others in bringing their vision to life. Love to be behind the scenes, making it come together, all come together beautifully. So that's the reason why. You want to plan weddings. So this is the question I'm asking. Why do you want to plan weddings for a living? Or why do you plan weddings for a living? So we got a couple of, uh, we're getting a lot of, a a variety of responses here. Passion seems to um, come forward and helping people. Some people, some of us are just good at it. Suppose, uh, I said supposedly, as though I'm knocking you. Sorry, I didn't mean that way. So I, I asked because I, I realize a lot of people come into wedding planning because after they've planned either their own wedding or they've been very closely involved in helping someone else with their event. 
And being a wedding planner professionally where you're trading your time for money is actually a different environment because, and who was it that said it behind the scenes? Guess Andrea. Yes, it is Andrea. Thank you. Um, being a wedding planner, really, we spend at least 60% of our time behind closed doors. We, you're spending time on the phone. You're emailing. You're negotiating. There's a lot of time spent while you're trying to figure this thing out. Because when a wedding looks wonderful and is timed well and everyone has a great time, usually the, the, the more coordinated it looks, it's the more time that was involved beforehand. And I think many of us see the end result and say, I want to be a part of that. But the truth is, you spend so much time trying to get this together that it's going out and visiting web, excuse me, visiting sites, pulling the look together. It's just a small portion of what it means to be a good professional wedding planner. That's how it looks on the outside. But there are many, many more hours where it's not like that at all. It's a very personal service that we provide, and not everybody's personality is as sparkling as yours. So you're going to deal with some folks, a lot of folks, that aren't always very pleasant, especially during the stressful time, which is a wedding. For most people, a wedding is the largest party they will ever host. There's usually a considerable amount of money involved. And anything that involves a considerable amount of money leaves room for a lot of angst. So you are coming in as a stranger to help someone control this large amount of money to pull off this event, you have to imagine that there's going to be, it's not going to be smooth sailing. So I think a lot of us come in because we see the end result. But the truth is, most of us are owner operators, meaning we don't have a full staff of people. We're not the Preston Baileys and the Mindy Weisses out there that have a full staff of people. We're doing most of that on our own. And on top of that, most of us are working a full-time job and doing that. Not all of us, but most of us. Not so glamorous anymore because now you're, you're juggling a lot of time, your personal time. And basically, we wedding planners work when everybody else is resting, everybody else in our family, meaning the significant others, because we're working weekends. That's when most weddings take place. Most of our meetings with clients happen after work, i.e. the evening. Most weddings are happening when it's warm outside. Do you, are you beginning to see what I'm talking about if you're new to this? It sounds, it's appealing to begin with, but that can begin to wear on you after a period of time. So the reality is I see a lot of online, especially online, you know, get certified. Become a wedding planner. Take this course today and you'll be ready to go. Get your business going. And then I see these predictions of salary based on the number of weddings that you plan each year. The average wedding is $30,000. You'll get 10% of that, which is 3000 So if you do 10 weddings this year, you'll make 30. It, it really doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work that way. It takes time for people to get to know you. And I'm talking about people in the industry because the truth of the matter is, and I'm really just pouring on, I'm being <laughs> just really pouring on the, the bad news for you today. 
We're not in a business where it's a repeat business. A good business model is to have recurring income, hopefully. The people are coming back and sticking with you over and over again at some point. Usually you do a wedding and that's it. Those people are not coming back to do business with you. Unless you're, you know, you're doing like uncle, <laughs> I was say uncle weddings. But no, it, unless, you know, there's another wedding down the line or they refer you to someone else. But it's not the same customer. And as you may have heard, keeping the customers you have costs way less than trying to find new ones. We're kind of on the downside as a business model. Do you get what I mean? So please, please think about this and not even think about this. Just research this. And don't just use those online wedding planner certification courses as a guideline for your research. And I'm not knocking any of them. I was a trainer for one of them. Just remember their ulterior motive is for you to sign up and take the course. Their job is to make it look wonderful. If they painted a picture of misery and hours at the computer and dealing with vendors who are less than professional and clients who just want to treat you like the at the bottom of their shoes sometimes, then half of you wouldn't sign up to become certified. Not that you even need to. So just understand where they're coming from. And I'm not trying to tell you don't do this, but I want to paint the true picture of what it means to plan weddings professionally. It's difficult to make a substantial income or to even replace the income that you have, whatever you're doing full time. I don't know what your salary is, but for the most part, it's difficult to get that by just planning weddings full time. So I just do your due diligence and talk to people. I don't know how many wedding planners you know in your area that are doing this full time. Because I know you've probably called a few of them to see if you can shadow them. And I'm guessing you're not getting a whole lot of people opening their doors for you. I don't know of too many huge wedding planning companies out there that have a full staff of people. Like the one that J-Lo was a part of in The Wedding Planner. I didn't like that movie, by the way. So that's a myth. Still... Still, you can do this. You can do this. I'm not saying don't do this. I love it. But it's more of a, it's much more a labor of love than I'm going to replace my income by planning weddings. It, and it, or I'm going to go to school and take classes because I take my courses and lead in that direction because I want to become a professional wedding planner. People have to get to know you in the industry. And then if you can get the lucky break, which is... Like, if you can get to do a celebrity wedding. And let me tell you this. Celebrity wedding planner isn't doing anything differently than what you're doing if you're planning weddings. That planner happened to plan a wedding for someone who is, and I'm doing the air quotes, a celebrity. Once you do that, then it stands to reason people in that circle, now you've elevated yourself and you are the planner that they want to go to. Because you planned whoever big... Shining Bright Stars wedding. That's all that's going on there. More than likely, the budget's gone up, but don't believe for a moment the headaches change or your time sitting at the desk or your time negotiating. In fact, you're probably, de there's a good chance you might be dealing with some <laughs> diva like <laughs> personalities because people are paying you good money to plan their wedding. So just, and, and realize at the end of it, really, the way it's supposed to go is that the wedding looks so great that they may not even know that there was a planet. That just comes up as a sidebar. 
who helps you with this? But you're not the wedding planner that's getting the spotlight at the end of the night. You're behind the scenes. You and your staff really, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say you're the hired help. That's what wedding planning is all about, to be a good wedding planner. So again, just I, I want to keep this real for you. The, the end result of the wedding is not what being a wedding planner is all about. You're spending a lot of time going through lists, double checking, triple checking, making sure you haven't missed anything because God help you if you miss something, it's coming back on you. So you've got to be prepared to do all of that and run your family and keep your home in order and deal with the job. Not easy. So I like it when I hear, like when Courtney said, this is something that she's slipping into into retire as she gets to retirement and does what she, you know, picks and chooses. It's nice to be able to pick and choose what you want to do. I'm um, do a wedding here, do a wedding there. This is why I tend to focus on the day of, which a day of wedding coordinator, someone who helps someone who's already planned most of the weddings. Because personally, I've done years of the hand-holding, and I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. It doesn't make good business sense for me, Debbie. This is a personal decision to spend all those hours planning someone's wedding because if I really wanted to get paid for every hour that I spent planning a full-service wedding, no one's going to hire me. They won't be able to afford it for what I want to charge. So I just want to come in at the end. The problem with that is if they haven't done a good job of planning, it's not a good wedding to coordinate. But, you know, there are ways to figure out if it's a decent wedding to plan to coordinate. But that's my take. I'm ordained. I really, if I pushed myself, could act, act, go out there as an ordained, as a civil celebrant. I refuse to call myself a minister, which is what my paperwork says I am. Ugh. But go out there as a civil celebrant and, and do these weddings and, and officiate a wedding for a few hours on a Saturday, maybe a Sunday, maybe during the week, and call it a day. I think I'd be more, more, more happy, much more happy doing that, happier doing that. That was bad grammar there. I would be happier doing that. So just think about the time you have available. And if you're, if you're stretched for time right now with your current situation, wedding planning is not a secondary a role for you. It's not, if you're stretched for time right now, adding wedding planning to the mix is not a good thing. It's the, the results are not going to be good. You're not going to have enough time. Because as soon as people hire you, you're, you, they to them, you are at their beck and call. And usually it's during a time they want you to do stuff that they don't have the time or inclination to do. And usually they're working too. So they expect you to do what they don't have the time to do. And if they've hired you, why wouldn't they expect that? Okay? So get the true picture. Volunteering your time is good. Volunteering your time is good. Wedding planners don't always want to bring you on, but I've said before, if you can get lined up with a few wedding vendors. As you, as you inquire about the industry, and you have to position it in a way to help them, not to help you. Not I'm trying to learn more about the industry, but I'd love to know what it is that you really do. I, you know, I'm thinking about getting into this wedding planning business, but I want to get a full handle of this. One of the weddings that are coming up, if you find that you're shorthanded and you, you need someone to come in for a few hours, can you give me a call or shoot me an email or text me? I'll come. I promise not to get in the way. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do so I can see what it is that you do and you'll see firsthand what goes on at a wedding behind the scenes granted you're not seeing it you may not be seeing it from a planner's point of view but you'll see what the real deal is are you cool with being on your feet all those hours are you okay with um, other vendors who aren't really pulling their weight although they've been paid to do so 
are you okay dealing with guests that ask you <laughs> obnoxious questions because they think that you work for the venue and you really don't and do you know how to deal with that? But that's the kind of stuff I want you to see firsthand because that's all part of what being a wedding planner is about. You deal with those things and learning what to say and what not to say and not to make a face. I have trouble with that because I don't have a poker face. When someone's telling me something that I really don't agree with or truly don't want to hear, <laughs> those are all qualities you develop as you go. And it, it, it does get better the more you stick with it and the you've got to know what it is that you're doing. Put it this way. Would you go to a restaurant if you knew the person preparing the food hadn't done it before? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to dine at a restaurant where the head person who's saying that they're the head chef hadn't prepared, hadn't taken any classes, hadn't done anything, hadn't prepared food? hadn't done this for anyone else. Would you be willing to do that? Well, that's what a lot of us do when we're wedding planners. We plan one wedding or we help someone and then we build a creative website because it's not that difficult to do. We print business cards because they're fairly inexpensive and we say we're planning weddings. That's not fair. You can't do that and expect people to pay you if you don't. Would you hire, would you hire you? Would you hire you? You got to be honest about that. So do your due diligence do some research, talk to the people out there who are doing it. I'm begging you, please just listen a little bit to what I'm saying. I can't tell you what to do. You're an adult. But being a wedding planner isn't the way, is not the end result. There, there's so many hours beforehand that you've got to figure out this stuff and see if you can stick with that and deal with all of the ins and outs and the vendors and the, ugh, the pricing, pricing, ooh, figuring that out. But once you figure it out, once you get the system down pat, once you figure that out, it's much smoother sailing. And then you can pick and choose as, okay, I want to do this. I don't enjoy doing this. So I'll hire someone else to do that. I'll get less money for it, but that's okay. Let them do that. That that's how it, That's how it begins to go. Okay. So all of that came from me asking, why do you want to plan weddings for a living? And I get the creativity I get the helping people, but there's so much more behind the scenes that you have to be ready for. Do you have a place to meet people to talk to about your wedding business, about your wedding planning services? Well, you got to figure that out before you start advertising that you're helping people. Do you have relationships with wedding vendors? Because people are going to ask you, where should we go to get our cake? Where can I find a dress? Where's the best place for us to have this wedding reception? We only have 50 people, but we want it to be intimate and still nice. You ready to answer those questions? You got to be prepared for that and still expect to be paid. People don't want to pay. They'll, they'll pick your brain and don't want to pay. They'll nickel and dime you, I'm telling you. So you got to decide up front, I'm not taking anything less than X amount of dollars, and this is the kind of service I'm providing. I'm not doing this. I will do that. So that when someone asks me, I can say with confidence, that's great, but that's not a service that I provide. Here's what you can do instead. Or that's exactly the type of service that I provide. Let me, let, let's talk a bit. And these are my fees. Okay? I hope I'm making sense. I hate to start off with such doom and gloom, but I want it to be, I want to make sure you understand what the real deal is when it comes to being a professional wedding planner, i.e. getting paid to plan weddings for a living. Okay? All right. Welcome for those of you joining in the chat room at confettilive.com. If you're on the phone listening in, wonderful, but the real conversation's over at confettilive.com. If you typed in a question while I was on my <laughs> soapbox and I missed it, 
feel free to type again. Larissa, can I share your, your news or have you already shared your news about being an efficient? I'm sharing, Larissa. Sorry. Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait for you to tell me. Sorry. <laughs> um, I see some new names here. Keisha. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. And um, who else is here? Faith. Good morning. Um, I'm just going through the names here. Oh, there's a group going on. Okay, good. Yeah, make friends in the chat room and, you know, figure out what you'd li like to do. Um, make connections. Sorry, Ruth. Um, Ruth. Oh, there's Ruth. Ruth was saying something about repeat business, if I can catch it. Ruth said, for repeat business, you have to hope that maybe they rehire you for the baby shower, birthday party, or the big anniversary party down the road. Or as you said, get the referrals for other weddings. Yes. So then, Ruth, as Ruth, you know, Ruth, very good point. But do you really want to do baby shower and birthday parties? Because every birthday party that I've ever planned, it's never occurred to me to hire anyone. And that's another myth. You know, being a party planner sounds like a great idea if you're good at it. But the majority of people won't hire you for a birthday party unless it's something very extravagant. And then you have to be known as someone who's in that, in that sort of circle. Because that's how we do business. We ask someone, do you know of someone? But... For the most part, and maybe it's just in my little world, birthday party, it, it's not a natural thought for me to hire someone. Even for wedding planners, it's not always a natural thought. So you kind of have to be there and people have to know you and see, oh, my gosh, that event was fantastic. Or, oh, I, yeah, I, I want a repeat of that. And most people don't want to repeat. But you know what I mean? So you kind of have to be out there, which means you now have to elevate yourself to being everywhere in, you know, in that sort of circle so that people know to call you when they need you. Ruth says, I work with a full-time planner as her assistant on the day of, and I think I'm beginning to enjoy the just the day of part like you, Debbie. I don't get to see the upfront planning involved, though. Yeah, Ruth. I, see, the thing is, I'm thinking maybe I just have a short attention span, which I know I do to some point, but I like, you know, I like coming in at the end and, and sort of figuring it out. And the reason I enjoy it so much, plain and simple, because I know what to do. I know what the next step is. And I've said that, you know, knowing what the next step is makes life so much easier. It's like following a recipe. So I know after the contract sign, we've got to do a first client meeting. And after during that first client meeting, there's going to be some paperwork that that client, and this is for day off, this client is going to complete that I'm going to give to each wedding vendor that they've already hired so they know that who I know who I am. Then I know I've got to do introductions to, for each of the vendors so that they know who I am. Then I know I've got to start on the wedding day timeline, and I know what the system is to get that timeline going. I know what ceremony details need to be on that timeline. I know what reception details, details need to be on that timeline. I know what I need to say at the final client meeting. I know what information I need to get and, and stuff I got to get from them for the wedding day. I know what I've got to do at the wedding rehearsal. I know what I have to do on the morning of the wedding day. I know how to assign my staff who are helping me on the wedding day where they have to be. I know what the flow is of the wedding day because I'm using that timeline. I know what questions to ask towards the end, uh, excuse me, after the wedding is over to make sure everything went as it was supposed to. And then I'll start that all over again. It's rinse and repeat. And I enjoy it because I know exactly what I need to do. So when someone says, my daughter's getting married, we haven't picked the venue yet, but we need some help finding a location and some great vendors. Can you help me? And you know what I say? I can't help you. I don't do full service planning. Let me find someone who can help you. But or if you are unable to find a full service planner, 
I have some resources where you can look on your own and find those places. And once you've got all that figured out, venue figured out, caterer figured out, music figured out, give me a call. I'll help you pull the rest of the wedding together because that's what I do. So easy. So easy. Do I make as much money as I would if I were a full service planner? No. But it's so much harder for me to find full service clients. I don't mind. I'll do more of the day of. Do you see? So when you figure out what it is you want to do with the wedding thing, your life becomes a little easier and you kind of have to get away from the full service thing unless you've got plenty of time and you've got enough saved up to carry you, tide you through, carry you over, carry you through, excuse me, the period of time until you get to the stage where everybody's knocking on your door to hire you as a full service planner. Larissa is ordained. Larissa Parks is an ordained, I, I use the term civil celebrant. So Larissa can perform a wedding ceremony in Maryland, I know in D.C., and maybe and several other places, I'm sure, but, you know, this is her area, is my understanding. So Larissa now has, got a, has booked a wedding where she is officiating the wedding. And that was the, the news I wanted to share, but what's great about that is because I know Larissa has um, experience with planning weddings, she's in a position to offer other things and suggest some other items. So it's a great way to start getting into the business. And the good thing is when you get a paying client, it just moves you forward. It propels you to keep going because then you say, oh my gosh, people will pay me. Okay, let me see if I can do this again. Oh my gosh, someone, another person paid me. Let me see if I can do that again. And it just sort of moves you forward. Whereas if you're trying to do full service, I'm back to that, it may take much longer to get someone who's willing to pay you what you're asking. And before you know it, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. This doesn't make any sense. This is for the birds. So by going for the lower hanging fruit, you're still in the business and you're learning as you go. And I'm betting of, in Larissa's journey, as she's doing this, she's finding out about vendors and venues because venues are good partners for being a civil celebrant because people got to get married at a location. And it's usually not at a house of worship. Otherwise, they wouldn't hire you to officiate the wedding, right? It makes sense. Um, so I wanted to congratulate, congratulate Larissa out loud. She, she shared the information with me via email and to share with you how by doing something very simple, very little cost, if anything, to become ordained online doesn't cost anything. The same way your brother or cousin or sister can get ordained so that they can officiate your wedding, you can do that, but you just package it in a different way as a business. Um, I know Michelle, I don't know if, 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 if Michelle is here today. I might have missed it because I always mess up. I know the spelling of her business name is a little different than her actual name. Um, is doing day off and is wanting, wants to do the all-inclusive thing where she's including the photographer, I think maybe food and invitations, and package, packaging that as a one-stop shop. That takes more hand-holding because, in essence, you are sort of doing full service, but you're, you're packaging it in a different way. So that's another way, another route to go. you got to look at this wedding planning thing differently. And more importantly, you have to find out what is it that people want in my area that I can provide, them, provide for them. As opposed to, I want to be a wedding planner, even though no one's hiring wedding planners around here. Everyone's doing it themselves, but I want to be a wedding planner. That doesn't, that's not a good business decision. Why, how much money can you possibly make if people don't even want what you're offering? Okay. Um, let's see. I hope that helps. Someone, uh, guest O2 says, how do you, I saw the word saturated. Let me scroll back up very quickly. How do you, 
How does a new wedding plan increase business outside of the usual tactics that are already saturated? Guess so, too. Well, first of all, by specializing, tell me what it is that you're doing differently from the other wedding planners. Because if you're not doing anything differently, then, yeah, you you have become part of a saturated market. So first thing is by standing out and by doing something differently than the other wedding planners. So that's the first thing, definitely. Oh, guest 62, networking, networking, networking. Helga's responding. Attending industry and community events, getting to know other industry professionals, planning and facilitating your own wedding planning workshops and seminars based upon your niche or expertise and blogging, et cetera. Thank you, Helga. Great information. But you notice she inserted the good part there based upon your niche. You've got to stand out because if you tell people that I'm a wedding planner, you sound like just the other two or three people that say they're planning weddings. Tell them what it is that you do that's different from other wedding planners. And a niche really helps seal the deal that gets that story through. Um, oh, that is Michelle. Michelle, it is here. Michelle's here. So remember I was saying Michelle on the all-inclusive? She says she's here and she's booked her first client with her package. Congratulations, Michelle. Congratulations to you. Um, so you know, you can do it. You can do it. If you've got the time and the energy and the desire, and I know Michelle worked very hard to pull that package of information together, you do have to work with vendors um, that are going to go on board with it. And usually it means vendors, when I'm talking about all-inclusive right now, sorry, usually when vendors are part of an all-inclusive package that you're offering, they have to agree to reduce their prices for you, meaning that the client can't get that deal without you. Because if the vendor's going to give the client the same deal they're giving you, why go through you, the wedding planner? So good for you, Michelle. I know I was a little, a little hesitant because I'm always, I know Michelle was starting with day off, and I just really like the idea of mastering something first. But she saw it, she went for it, and she's got her client. So good for you. Congratulations. Um, let's see. Uh, the question came in was, I have been planning, I've been a planner for over three years on a part-time base due to going to university. Now that I have finished university, I want to do this full-time. However, I am finding it difficult breaking into my target market. Mind you, I live in the UK and targeting African community as there is a need here. Okay, so again, you've decided to go full-time and I mentioned at the beginning what my thoughts were about that. You have to do your due diligence and it really comes down to how much income do I need to make? What's going to make, what's going to be, what do I consider to be successful? What do I, what are my expenses? First of all, you got to cover your expenses. If your business is making less than what you're spending, you're, you're not making a profit. That's a problem. I mean, initially it's going to be that way, but you've got to work towards that. Did you know Amazon wasn't making a profit for several, several years? I'm talking about maybe in the last, maybe six or seven years is when I heard that Amazon was finally making a profit. But you know, you've got to have basically money in the bank to cover you during those times. Just saying. But full time, you have to decide what are my what are my, what are my money goals? And then how does that translate to what the services that I'm providing? What do I need to do? How many weddings do I need to plan in order to make that kind of income? And if it can be done in your area, if people are hiring planners or need you as a wedding planner and you fit into that niche and you've got the time and the resources, the vendors on board, because vendors will send you business, then you make your mark, you stake your claim and say, this is what I do. And people have to get to know you. That's how we do business now. People are going online 
and your website needs to be more than just a brochure for your business. It has to provide information. I know it sounds weird, giving away the information that people are going to hire you to do, to, to, to provide for them. But you do have to do that because people, it's sort of like that gift to get. We look, we see, okay, she's sharing this. Wow, all that information. I wonder, it's going to be great when we hire her. And then that puts you at, into the local level, excuse me, the expert status at, at a local level. So not as easy to do, but it can be done if you devote your time to that. So you said you want to do it full time. Just make sure that the, the market can afford the prices that you're going to charge. And first of all, you got to figure out what you're going to charge again and, and knowing what it is that you need to make each month to cover expenses and make a profit. OK, so a variety of things that you can do, but you have to be crystal clear about what it is that you're doing first. I see a lot of us asking for help with marketing. And then when I ask, well, get, tell me about your business. It's not always very it's not it's, it's sort of vague and a bit over, all over, you know, all over the place. You have to be crystal clear about what it is that you're doing so that you can share it with others and so they can decide. Yeah, I want what she's offering or no, that's not quite what we're looking for. OK, not every client or potential client is for you. But Helga shared some great points about how you can go out there and market what you're doing. Um, I hope that helps. I really hope that helps. Um, let's see. Keisha is asking, what are your thoughts on being a day of planner who also offers to help with MOH duties for, for brides? Is that maid of honor duties for the brides who don't have one? Is that what that means? Or don't have one or does not hold up her mother maid of honor duties? Um I mean, that can be part of your, your, your package if that's what you're doing. Just remember, you want to keep it simple. And you want to offer something that people want to choose. If you're doing day of, as you do more and more of those weddings, you'll begin to find out what people want. If what you're asking me is what you've heard people are asking for, then it makes sense. But don't just go off what you think. Because a lot of times what we think people want, it's not what they want. So my response is, my thoughts, I haven't come across that as being significant enough, if that's what you're saying, maid of honor, if that's what MOH stands for. Am I missing something? <laughs> um, for brides who don't have one or does not hold up for her maid of honor duties. Because usually day of, you're coming in in the last 90 days or so. So, you know, if you're realizing that brides need additional help, then yeah, add an extra level to your day of. Maybe you do this wedding concierge thing where there's additional help that you provide. Are you going to provide it or are you going to have someone else provide it to them? Do you have the time to provide it? Because you may not. You may not have the time. And then if someone else is doing that, how much are you going to pay them and how much are you going to charge for it? Because they, that now becomes another expense for you that you've got to cover. So, yes, if, if, if there's a need, then, yeah, absolutely you should provide it. But make sure there's a need first because you don't want to have package A, B, C, D, E, three at most, small, medium, large. For day off, start with one. Just start with one and then build from there based on what you're hearing. You'll soon know if what you're offering is adequate. Because if one person asks and then the second person asks, and the third, it's like, okay, I got to offer something more and charge for that. Okay? I have a question for you that I'm going to pose, which I've been trying to just, it's a tricky one. And, and here's the question, and I want us to tackle this the next time around. So I'm kind of giving you an assignment, right? Um, do you believe that vendors who do not want to work with same-sex couples who are planning a wedding should get out of the wedding planning business? That's what I want us to figure out next time around because it's all around us. Same-sex weddings are all around us. 
and for some it's it's a bit of a jolt. So I want to, it's a bit of a controversial question. So do you believe that vendors who do not want to work with same-sex couples who are planning a wedding should get out of the wedding business? Because I'm seeing articles, and I've been sharing some of that on Google Plus and on Twitter, where the, I mean, it, before, someone who says, I don't want to work with couples with, you know, I don't want to work with same-sex couples getting married. And the backlash has been, it's, it's out there. Are you wrong for saying so? Are you wrong for saying I don't want to plan same-sex weddings? And if that is your true feeling, should you get out of this business? So I, I you know, I, I want, if you can answer that, like I said, I, <laughs> my feeble Twitter account, weddingforaliving.com, Google Plus, you can find the link on um, the weddingsforaliving.com page. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Or even better, what I would really love, what I would really, really love, is for you to leave a message for me on the talkback line. 202-681-2126. You can do that at any time, 24 hours a day. If it's a personal thing and you don't want to share it, I totally understand that. But I would love to have your insight and feedback because I have some thoughts uh, on this, and I'd love, I'm, I intend to share them the next time around. But it's, it, what's, what, the landscape has changed very, very quickly. People, public figures who were totally against same-sex relationships, not, you know, not even going, thinking about same-sex marriage, have changed. So complete, is it 360 you say, or do you say it 180? What's the right term for doing that? They've just flipped around. So I'd love to know, you're in this business or aspiring to be in this business, and I want to know your feelings about that because it's a very personal thing. It's a very, you know, a lot of us, are ra we're raised with our values and what we believe to be right and what we believe to be wrong. And for some, for some people, this is wrong. Same-sex marriage is wrong. And there are many people that feel that way that are in the wedding business. And I would like to know, that's the question, more so than what your feeling is. I'm asking, do you think that someone who believes that same-sex marriage is not right and is in the wedding business and has decided, I am not working with same-sex couples, should that individual now just get out of the wedding industry? Or should they be allowed to continue? Because I've noticed that anyone that says, I don't want to work with same-sex couples, is opening the door for a barrage of attacks and things that are said that are just just crazy, 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 crazy. So I hope it's not, I'm not stirring up too much, but it's something that we're going to face, at, you, you will face as a wedding planner. Personally, I have yet to plan a same-sex wedding. And even in my vocabulary, I still say bride and groom, and that's not always the case. I can't make the assumption that I'm dealing with a man and a woman here in the Washington, D.C. area with same-sex marriage is legal. I don't know where it, what, what it's like in your neck of the woods, but it's something that you have to consider and decide, will I continue if, I, if you choose not to, or am I welcome it with, welcoming it with open arms, welcoming same-sex marriage with open arms, and I'm going to announce that? Or I choose not to, I'm not going to really say anything, but if someone asks me, I don't think I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes, I'm going to say no. You have to be prepared for those kind of questions because we are in a... An environment now where everything is front and center. We share our inner thoughts. Good Lord, I know what people had for breakfast this morning. I, I don't know why I know that, but people have shared what they had for breakfast on social media this morning. So it's granted that when you make a take a stance on same-sex marriage as someone in the wedding industry, it's going to be shared far and wide. And are you prepared for the, resu you know, the results of 
the the backlash. No, I shouldn't say backlash. I'm making some assumptions. But are you prepared for the the comments and feedback that you're going to hear based on your position? Okay. So the chat room got quiet. Did I lose you? I just want to make sure that I'm getting feedback about that. Again, I did. It's not something that we need to cover today, but it is something that I think we should should think about. Okay. Uh, Michelle's pointing out. Let's just see. She said, "At the end of the day, it's business. The same, the same sex, they, same sex couple has to deal with God at the end of the day." There you go. One position. Michelle, why not leave me a comment on the talkback line? Um, Helga's saying, "I just realized the other day that I need to change the wording on my website and every other social media place from bride and groom, because, like you said, that is not always the case, and I want to find another way to rephrase it." Yeah, it, you know, bridal just rolls off. I mean, bridal happy hour. Is, it, is that even the right thing to say now? So, you know, it's almost like you have to rethink this this whole thing and, and how you're going to approach it. But you have to, it's a reality that you have to face being in this business and knowing how you're going to deal with this. How What's my position and what am I going to say? If you're doing a wedding and you've got you've got your staff there. Hold on a second, I got distracted here on my thing. If you're doing a wedding and you've got your staff there and someone asks that question, what, what are you telling your staff? How are you telling your staff to respond? You've got to be ready and position yourself for that. Um, let's see. Faith says you can't wait to discuss this next time. Okay, good. So, Faith, please, why not leave a comment for me on the talkback line, 202-681-2126. 202-681-2126. I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Um Veronica said, I just booked my first gay client. I don't actively look for them, but they found me, and it was difficult to say no once they came to my shop. This was for wedding de decor services, though. Okay. Very good. Um, Helga said, <laughs> the only color or anything for me is money, <laughs> which is green. <laughs> I'm going to start off into my fit of giggles. Sorry. Anything else? It's not my place to judge people by individuals for what they are doing because I'm not perfect myself. So who am I to criticize somebody for what they're doing? I don't have to agree. But when it comes to business, business is business. Interesting points, Helga. I love the only color I'm interested in. It's green. If you've got it, I'm with it. And, we, you know, it really depends. Again, our values are part of our values. You know, I hear people. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off a bit of a sidebar here, that are very quick to say, you know, someone's racist um, for a comment. I hear that a lot. And I'm usually the first, in case you didn't know, I'm a black woman, right? But we can be very, oh, this thing's about to fall. Yep, sorry, something fell in my office. We can be very insensitive and sometimes ignorant. That doesn't make you a racist. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's just, it's just the value, what we grow up with. It doesn't make it right, but it doesn't necessarily make you a racist, right? And we're quick to say that. And if someone's having a difficult time with same-sex marriage, this is still relatively new in our society. So I don't think, I don't think it's fair for you to immediately say this person is a bigot or, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't happen overnight. And we're all human beings and we're raised with certain values from a very, very young age. So someone who's in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, it's hard to expect someone to just switch direction like that. We need to be educated and we need to understand and we need to, con we, we need to talk, which is why I'm bringing up the topic. 
you got to know how you're going to deal with this moving forward and how and prepare yourself for how you're going to announce it and what position you're taking as a business owner. That That's kind of the stuff you sign up for. When you're an employee, your employee takes care of that. But when you put on the big girl pants, big guy pants, and say, I'm running my own business, you got to be, you have to think about these things. You can't just hide and, and not deal with it. You have to deal with it because the questions are going to come your way. Okay. Oh, did I run? Did I say the number too quickly? 202-681-2126. I'm going to post it in the, um, I'm going to post it in the, God, that music sounds really loud. Sorry. I'll post it in the thing at the bottom, at the chat room is what I'm going to say. <laughs> I got distracted there. Okay. And I think the next time around, we'll actually make it a call-in show, meaning the number that you call, you'll come through on the air. Well, it'll be a call-in show, because I think we need to hear, and maybe we'll have to make that a little longer. So I'll send out the day. I keep saying the first Saturday, but as we get into wedding season, it gets a little difficult. So please stay tuned. I hope you're on the Weddings for Living email list. If you sign up for the free audio class, then you are. As I said, Weddings for Living is on Twitter, wedforaliving.com. Most of my post, you know, tweets have been on the Debbie Quain thing, but I'm trying to stick with Wed for a Living for our tweets. And then on Google+, Plus, okay? Weddings for a Living, so. Um, and Courtney's saying same-sex weddings are not my niche at the moment. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a niche, but although it can be, and I'll tell you, a lot of wedding planners who are making same-sex weddings their niche um, are finding that they're doing a lot of business. So just to let you know. And oh, can I also say, can I also say, you know, we have to get used to not shopping from our pockets, meaning you can be a business that provides a service to someone that has nothing to do with your lifestyle. It has nothing to do with who you are. You may be a Christian wedding planner who specializes in Jewish weddings, a Jewish wedding planner who specializes in Christian weddings. You don't have to identify necessarily with your your ideal client. A lot of instances it helps because we like we're drawn to people that are like us, but it does. it's not a hard and fast rule. So long as you understand what it is that your client's needs are and you can relate to them and they feel comfortable doing business with you, you're in a good place. Okay? All right. I'll leave the, the chat room open for a few minutes so you can keep the conversation going. I'd love to hear your thoughts at 202-681-2126. 202-681-2126. And if you haven't thought about same-sex weddings, you have to think about it, especially if you're here in the United States. Decide what is your position, how, what am I, is it, it means it makes no difference to me. Everyone is a potential customer. Well, not everyone's a potential customer. We said that's not how the specialty thing goes. But am I comfortable with doing that? And uh, Am I comfortable with staff members who maybe aren't happy? I'm happy with same-sex weddings. I'm happy to do that. But if someone says to me that they are not, then they cannot work for me. These are things that you have to, to think about and give some thought to. I hope today's live chat has been helpful to you in some way. If there's someone else that you know who's interested in being a wedding planner, because I try to angle it towards new and aspiring wedding planners, please let them know. Weddingsforaliving.com has articles, and I'm working on updating some more information. And by the way, Wedding Business Guide members, I've been talking about changes coming. It's coming. It's right around the corner. It is coming, I promise you. So stay tuned. I'm Debbie Quain. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, lots of love and success. Take care. The
Talk Show.